season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR podcast. My name is Jay Shrigling and I'm the host. Had a great episode yesterday with 2024 uncommitted Caden McCoy, right smack dab in that recruiting process, getting recruited by some pretty good schools. Um, but we got another great episode today here with Thomas Lynch, 2024 Purdue commit catcher. Um, episode two of three this weekend. Still got one more with Simon Wilkinson tomorrow. Today we discussed calling games, what that was like, the first game he actually got to call with the Indiana Bulls, talk about hitting approach, the whole recruiting process as a whole, um, and just much more digging his entire career. So let's dig into it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have one of the top prospects in Indiana for the 2024 class from Evansville, Indiana. Indiana Bulls black player. We got Purdue baseball commit Thomas Lynch on the show. Thomas, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing good. Excited to be here. Awesome. So Lynch, that is how I say your last name, right? I usually asked before, but I kind of forgot right at that moment. Yeah, you're all good. Yeah, it's Lynch. Okay. Okay, perfect. So uh, one question I do like to ask everybody as soon as they come on the podcast is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Thomas Lynch? Um, I'm a really hardworking, competitive guy when it comes to baseball. I mean, on and off, I'm hardworking no matter what, schoolwork, baseball, just really everything. We ta- I, I said there that you are committed to Purdue to put, go play college baseball. So let's dig into how that whole thing got started for you, how the whole recruiting process went down. So for you in the recruiting process, when did that get started for you, and when did teams start, re- start getting to notice you? Um, I went to a showcase, uh, I want to say – early March of 2021 and I performed really well numbers are better for me and that's when I had like four or five colleges just came up to me after and said they'd like to get calling and that's just all started from there. So who were some of those initial teams that uh, were up to you start talking to you a little bit? Um, after that, I had University of Evansville, which is like 10 minutes down the road for me. I had Butler, Purdue, obviously, um, IU, and then I had one, Austin P, which is a little Okay. So as you had those five schools reach out to you, you start as this whole recruiting process got started, what were some of those initial conversations you were having with teams? And at first, was there a team that kind of stood out amongst the others? Uh, yeah, uh, so Purdue was actually one of my top colleges. I was most likely going to go there for baseball, and I, but I had all my family's gone there. I got a brother there right now. He's a senior, so I, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, if they offer me, I'm most likely going to be gone, and I'm be committed from there. So after after those five teams reached out to you and you started talking to them, were there other teams that joined the mix, or how, how long did that process go for you before you actually committed to Purdue? Um, it was actually pretty quick because March and then to October 28th was the day I committed. Purdue actually gave me the offer early October, and I sat on it. I had to go take a visit, obviously, but it was unofficial. And I just I just felt like, oh, 
so I, I just had to commit. So you said there's a, a lot of your family has gone to Purdue, so there was a really very solid chance that you were going there. But as you were going through the process and you still hadn't committed there, was there any other teams that were kind of in the mix that maybe finished second or third? Um, IU definitely. I went to one of their prospect camps, and I they give you a tour. You do like half baseball, half tour, and their camp is really nice. Uh, everything about their baseball program is really nice. Locker room, lifting facilities and locker room. Oh, I already said that, but everything about it was super nice. That, that was my second choice, but then they picked up Hogan Denny, and then I was kind of like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to have another catcher right now, so I'm just going to stick with Purdue, and that's most likely going to be my choice. But, yeah, they were definitely second. Okay. So going through that prospect camp at Indiana and then going on your unofficial visit to Purdue, how would you compare those two campuses? And overall, like, what, what were your likes and dislikes on both? Um, I'll start with IU. I mean, I like just the community when we were there. The, everybody was so nice, coaches and everything. Their campus is super nice, like the scenery and everything. Um, uh, one thing I disliked was, I mean – it's kind of tough, honestly, because all these universities are so nice. Uh, there's like there's a lot of campus, so that means there's going to be like a lot of walking to do to classes and the baseball and all that. That's one thing I disliked. And then about Purdue, um, their weightlifting, I loved. They got a big thing they share with the football team, which is amazing. And um, I love their uh, their field. I love a good dirt field, which is really nice because I'd rather play on dirt and good cut grass than turf. And I love their locker room too. It was really laid back and it was it was really nice. I- so as you're as you're going through this process, obviously you said Purdue. Obviously Purdue ended up being number one. That's where you're going. Have a lot of family there. Had a great campus. You're playing in dirt there. Um, I use another one, but who are some of the key things that you were looking for before you actually committed and you were kind of just unsure of where you're going to end up? Um, the biggest thing for me was definitely the coaching staff. Um, when I went, I went to my unofficial, um, I watched a practice like a pregame practice type thing and coach Goff and Rooney, they were all so energetic. And I love that on the baseball field. When you have energetic coaches, it just gets the key team going and then only good American go. So that's number one thing I was looking for. Okay. So you said you committed to Purdue. I think you said it was October 28th is what you said. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you know that Purdue was the place you wanted to be before you actually released it to the public? Um, I knew for quite a while. Um, I'd say probably a year, even before all the recruiting processes started. I, my brother, I said, went there. And so we went up there for, couple football games and they've got like family weekends and it just like it's all so nice to me and I love it so you actually have a Indiana Bulls teammate who actually just committed to Purdue this past week we got Joe I honestly don't know how to pronounce his last name Trenary or however however you say it so how's your relationship with him obviously being a teammate with him now for summer ball and being a future teammate down there in West Lafayette I'm really excited to be a future teammate with him right now. I've got nothing but good things to say about that kid. He's really hardworking. He's a very good baseball player. And we his first first year for me it was my first summer, and he was kind of one of the guys that I clicked with the most, in my opinion. So with you committing there 
committing to Purdue before him, did you play a role on his recruiting process, you think? Like, were you kind of pitching Purdue to him um, while he was going through the whole thing? I mean, not really. I don't really like pushing guys and tell them to go somewhere they don't want to be. I'm not saying they don't want to be there, but I just want them to go to the place that they feel like they are wanted the most and the place they feel like they'll fit in best. Okay. So you obviously have that relationship with Joe, but do you have any relationships with any other future teammates, maybe guys who committed in your class, other classes, or guys who are even there now? I mean, not really yet. I haven't really talked to most. I've talked to a couple of them. I mean, we recently just had a 2024 commit there. Um, he's a shortstop, and I talk, I messaged him on Instagram, and I was like, congrats. I'm glad to have you. It should be fun in the future. And that's really all the talking I've done. I mean, I've talked to Amir Gray a couple times. He's a 2023. He goes to Brother Rice, and he's a very good baseball player too. But other than them, I haven't really connected with anybody else yet. So – since you've committed to that, since you've committed to Purdue, how has your relationship with the coaching staff how how has that evolved since you've committed? Uh, it's been amazing. I mean, like they just they just feel like they really wanted me, and that's the play. I mean, I went there because they really really wanted me. Is what it seemed like, and I mean, they just seem like part of the family now. I mean, I'm talking to Rooney a lot. He's a really nice guy. I talked to Goff a couple of times. He's also a really nice guy. It's just nothing but good things to say about them. Yeah. So, obviously, I know Purdue made a lot of national headlines last year when they started the year. Was it like 17-0 and 0 or something? It was some cra- something crazy like that. And even was ranked, I think, for a little bit by some programs. So, what was that like, being an actual commit to their university and seeing the success they were having early in last, early last spring? I was, I was super excited. I mean, I was, I was on a group text with my parents and everything, and every time I saw something Purdue on Twitter about their start of season, hot season, being the only undefeated team in Division One baseball, I, I just I couldn't be more happy. It's just awesome knowing that I'm committed to a school that is having really good success. Yeah. Well, with me being – I mean, you might not like me anymore. I am an Indiana student, so <laughs> I was kind of like – as this whole thing was going on, I was like, man, like – IU was struggling. You guys were doing great. And I was like, man, like, why can't IU just pick this up? I mean, both teams end up having an okay season. But yeah. at that time, I was just – I was listening to all these, like, Big Ten – this Big Ten podcast. I was like, man, what the hell? Purdue just keeps winning. But yeah. over, overall, I mean, they're both great baseball programs. But you did mention Hogan Denny there um, a little bit ago. So when you were going through that process, was that kind of like a – was like a competition level at each position? Was that kind of a th- thing in your mind? What was your mindset when you were um, deciding between schools, looking at the positional breakdown at catcher? Was that did that play a role at all? Um, I mean, not not terribly. I mean, I'm not talking anything about that. I'm not talking any bad about Hogan. He's a great player. He's an amazing dude. I talked to him a little bit of futures games before I committed to Purdue. He's an awesome guy. But I mean, I just saw that he committed to IU, and he was he's a catcher. Obviously, he's he's a stud and. I saw nobody was committed to Purdue in my class, so I mean, might as well be the first. And since it's the place I wanted to go to, that's just on top. So, yeah. Okay. So let's move in a little bit to your actual travel ball experience. So you said the Indiana Bulls black. Um, this is your first summer playing for them is what you said? Yeah. Uh, I started with – I played on a, like, local team called the Southern Indiana Legends. I played with them for a solid – five, six years, and then 
everything started at that one showcase where the college was looking at me. That's when the Bulls reached out to me. They like texted my dad and they're like, hey, we want him on our team next year. Is that all right? And my dad was like, yeah, totally. So I started playing in the fall a little bit with him and I subbed for the 2023 class with Max Clark and Wiggins. I played one weekend in Kokomo with them and just to get to meet a couple of the guys because like Griffin Tobias, who's going to IU and Nash, they were both playing on because they needed a couple arms and they were down a couple players. And Berryman was supposed to be our coach. He's a coach of Bulls National uh, last summer. He was supposed to be our coach. They wanted me to get to know him too. But yeah, just getting to meet a couple of those guys before I actually started playing was really nice. Yeah. So with you playing for that, that Southern Indiana team for five, six years, for the Indiana Bulls for a summer, What's been like the big, like some of the key differences that you've seen between the two programs? Um, definitely uh, competition was a lot better. I mean, a little local team, so we didn't play in like huge perfect game tournaments, PBR tournaments. I mean, and definitely like the recognition you get. I mean, without switching to the Bulls, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. I feel like I'd be close probably, but it's just you get a little more recognition on the Bulls than you did on, the, on my old team. When local. Yeah. yeah. So for the most part, I mean, travel ball with school starting, travel ball is pretty much over for the year. But what other – do you have any other events going on this fall that you're going to be taking part of for travel ball? Uh, yeah, we're doing a little bit of fall stuff. we got fall tournaments, most in Grand Park, and then we got that – I'm pretty sure it's WWBA that's in Fort Myers. We do that one weekend in September. Okay. So is this for Team Indiana or is this for the Bulls? Uh, I'm just going to play for the Bulls in the fall. Okay. All right. So you, so besides these upcoming events you have this fall, I mean, next summer is going to be your last year of travel ball. So just looking back into all every season that you played for travel ball, what are just some of your favorite stories that come up that when you just think of travel ball and just looking back at your entire career so far? I mean, definitely the memories you make and the new friends you make, the, the memories that you make in travel ball are unmatched with anything else. It's just like you go, hotel nights with your friends and swim at the pool, go out to eat with everybody. It's just, it's just amazing and all that. And, and then switching to the Bulls, really nice group of guys and doing the same thing, showing in the hotel lobby, eating food and just talking about baseball. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh, out of this year's 24 Bulls team, who are some of the guys that you maybe vibed with the most or maybe just came the best friends with? I mean – I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna have to say everybody. I mean, everybody's super nice. They're all welcoming. Welcoming first tournament, everybody introduced themselves like to people I haven't met yet. I mean, I met most because Futures Games had a lot of them, like Nash Wagner, Bradley Farrell, uh, and so yeah, it was just super welcoming. And I just got really close with everybody, and I'm hoping to stay friends with them for a while. Yeah. So uh, let's. Let's let's move on a little bit and talk about your actual high school career. Let's dig into that a little bit. So, what was last year like playing at Reeds Memorial, and what's the outlook on this upcoming season? Um, last year it was it was it was really fun. It was a little bit of a struggle for me because I'm having UCL problems right now, so I couldn't really throw. I couldn't really catch. But freshman year, I actually was. We had a catcher who's been starting catcher all three years. He was a junior, senior this year, just graduated. Um, but I was actually converted to be a pitcher and I did really well. I think I seven and three on the year freshman year, but I still hit, they like didn't DH for me or anything, but yeah, I mainly pitched and played first. I 
I didn't catch a single inning freshman year. And then obviously sophomore year, I've had UCL trouble and I haven't really gotten to do anything besides DH. Okay. So right now, just looking with, with what's going on with your UCL, UCL, um, and you being a primary catcher when you're going through that recruiting process. I mean, I know on perfect game, you are listed as a lot of different positions. So what do you think the plan is here as you finish your last two years of high school and you head into college? Like, are you planning on st- staying behind the dish, trying to kind of convert to a PO? Like, what exactly in your mind is going on? Uh, what um, do you think the plan is? I'm definitely going to stay behind the dish. Um, I'm working right now. I'm going to start doing a, like a throwing thing soon because – I'm doing physical therapy like twice a week and that's really helping. And I think I'll be back for uh, my high school, my junior high school season. And then I'm hoping I stay healthy through that. And then I'm there for the whole season next year. Should be really. All right. right. So when you are behind the plate, are you calling games or does the coach kind of call pitches for you? Uh, Usually we call games unless it gets into like a, like a sticky situation where we're down by like one run and there's runners on like second and third. And it's like, last few innings and the coaches will probably pitch in and help a little bit, but mainly we call our own games and it goes really well. I'm okay. Typically I'm not that type of catcher that gets mad if you shake off on the mound. I, I want you to the pitch you're most comfortable with. So it's really just the pitchers that call their games, to be honest. Yeah. So when, so when did that start happening for you? Cause obviously when you're a little kid, the coaches call games. So when did you, when did you first get that, um, that trust gain in your coach for, for you to be able to call the games? It's my first game of fall ball with the Bulls. I asked him what the signs were for pitches, and he just goes, you call your own game. And I was just, I was kind of shocked because I haven't done that ever. It went well. It went well. But, yeah, it was first game of Bulls, and I asked for signs. He's like, you call your own game. <laughs> so, so with you never calling with you never calling your own game before, like, and they've been telling you that, obviously you being a little shocked. Like, how did you go about that? Like, was it kind of just like – on the like, yeah, just kind of take us through that day. Um, well, when I when I found out that I would call my own game, I went up to the pitcher. Pretty sure it was Simon Wilkinson who recently committed to Illinois. He was the first dude I caught in the fall, and I was like, "All right, what are your pitches where you're most comfortable with?" Because I've never called my own. Game. And he just told me that he was most comfortable with certain pitches, and I was like, "Just call time and call me out if you're ready to throw other pitches, and just shake me off whenever you call your own game." Okay. So when you are calling games and well, obviously you and the pitcher both calling the game, but what is, what is your approach when doing that? Cause obviously you don't really have scouting reports on so many players that you're facing up in travel ball. So what's your approach when, when you're behind the plate and you guys are calling games? Typically like lead off guy, second batter, I'm going to, I'm going to call fastball or sinker um, just to see what their timing is. If they're late, then I'll call another one. If they're late on that then I'll call another one, maybe blow three heaters by them. If it's a bigger guy coming up to play, like three or four hitter, I'll probably start him off with a changeup to see how they react. And like a big lefty, you throw a changeup out, it's t- really tough to hit. So that's my approach. Okay. So when when you are calling the game and maybe the hitter like wins the at bat and caught, like hits a good pitch that you call, do you kind of take offense to that? Or you kind of just rub it off and be like, all right, well we know not to pitch him. That, we know not we know not to pitch him like that next time. Yeah, no, I I don't take offense to that. I mean, like they hit a, if they make if they catch a good barrel on it, then I'm like, yep, you got a good barrel. We'll figure a way to pitch around you next time. You got a good hit. Yeah. yeah. So when you are catching a pitcher for the first time, how do you kind of go about building that relationship and just knowing, uh, just building that trust between you guys? 
Um, I just let I like I said, I'm just gonna go up to him and be like, you tell me what pitches you're most comfortable throwing, and I'll call him. That's really what. That's like the first thing I say. Okay. So that Indiana Bulls team that you're playing on, I mean, there's a bunch of bunch of pitchers going to lots of different places. We got IU, Joe going to Purdue, uh, Kentucky. I mean, I'm sure I'm Illinois, like you said, with Simon. So who do you think the nastiest pitcher is on that team? Uh, I've yet to catch all of them, actually, because of the UCL problems. But um, I might have to say Joe. Not because not he's a future teammate. No bias there, but <laughs> – He's got a really nasty changeup, and his slider is super gross. And he's got he's got pretty good movement on his fastball too. He's got side on it. Okay, so moving around to when you're actually on the pitcher's mound, because you said you've been pitching a little bit too as well. So, what's your pitching repertoire? What types of pitches you throwing, and um, how fast are they? Uh, I I do the three pitch mix usually: uh, fastball, slider, curveball. Uh, fastball, slider, changeup. Sometimes I'll throw a curveball in there if I'm feeling like it. Most of the time I'll just stick with the slider. Um, I've ran my fastball up 87, 88 a couple times. Uh, and then change up, honestly, it's not very good. It doesn't move very much. It doesn't do anything. It's just like a slower fastball in my opinion. And then okay. my slider is really my my sit-down pitch. I'm, it, moves, it moves a ton. It's more of like a slurve in my opinion. So with you being a DH here this past summer, play, uh, just DHing for the Bulls, uh, let's dig into your hitting approach just a little bit. So when you're watching the guy in front of you, um, you're watching the pitcher, you're kind of just getting ready on the on the end of, on deck circle. Uh, what's going through your mind? And then you walk up to the plate. What's your approach as you uh, go into each at bat? Um, so for my approach, I'm starting. I'm watching the pitcher from his very throw, like on the mat, warm ups before the inning, I'm seeing what he throws for strikes. I'm seeing what he throws for balls. I'm seeing. Fastball's flat, take movement on it. Um, and then I watch our leadoff, our leadoff hitter, which is usually a mod, and I see what he throws first pitch. And then two, three, four, five hitter, I see if he throws the same pitch. And then I just I just go up there and I'm like, all right, he's most likely going to throw me a fastball from there. And then I usually I, – I tend to ask a mod or anybody if I forget. I used to – not used to. I tend to ask him what they threw to him and what the movement was like. If it gets onto you quick, if it's flat, I just ask him so I'm mentally prepared to go up there and get a barrel. So what – yeah, so what What lineup are you guys usually rocking with when you're playing for the Bulls? Obviously, Ahmad at number one, and then who follows him there, and how, how do you guys look uh, two through nine? Uh, typically, uh, usually – I might mess this up a little bit, but it's usually, I think, Ahmad – then it's Isaac Vandermood. Um, messing up on three hitter. I might come back to it if I forget. Is it is, is three? Is it Griffin or is it RJ? Yes, Griffin. Griffin is Griffin. Okay. Uh, Ahmad, Isaac, Griffin, Jace, RJ. I'll probably be somewhere around six or seven. Um, and then eight or probably be. Chris Klug, he's an outfielder. Right now he's actually hurt. I don't know how he's doing. I should probably check up on him. Um, and then nine's usually Braden Hibbler. Okay. So digging into your hitting pros just a little bit more. So you, you talked you, you, you talk about that for a little bit. So when you, are in the, when you are in the batter's box, how does that approach change when you have two strikes? So do you have like a, a solid two-strike approach or do you kind of just go about it the same way with two strikes? I, I definitely do have a better approach because – one, 
fastball. I'm obviously going to take a hack. I'm going to swing as hard as I can. But then he catches me on that, and I get down 0-2. I'm probably going to choke up a little bit and then just look to put the ball in play, shorten up my swing a bit instead of taking a longer swing. Okay. So if you were a scout watching your game, so this can be when you're behind the plate, this can be when you're in the batter's box, and even in the dugout when you're interacting with your teammates, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? Um, definitely, I tend to chase fastballs high a little bit. and They always look good out of the hand. Um, throw me – I mean, I really shouldn't say this in case people watch face in the future, but change-ups low I struggle with a little bit too. I'm actually working on them right now where I go hit uh, – yeah, that's really about it. Fastball's high and change it's lower, what I really struggle with. All right. So you do say you're about to go train here in about an hour or so. Well, in about, I guess, a half hour now. But um, down there in Evansville, what are some training facilities that you go train at um, during the offseason? Um, typically, I go to a place called Next Level Sports Academy. It's ran by Kip Schutz. He played, I want to say, seven or eight years in the minors. I'm pretty sure he's with the, he's with the Orioles, and now he's retired, and he runs his own facility. It's got – weight training there it's got pitching it's got softball catching I go there to hit and catch and then I also go to uh, a guy called Nevin Ashley he was a bullpen catcher for the Blue Jays Uh, so I usually go there too to catch sometimes and then I'll hit occasionally there okay so as you head to Purdue's campus here in the fall of 2024 what are some of the biggest things that you're wanting to work on before you head to campus uh definitely build muscle stand so I don't really fall out of that group of just getting behind everybody and everybody being one step ahead of me, weightlifting and nutrition. Definitely want to stay on top of that. And okay. Also my game, obviously. I do need to work on that done in a while. I can't. So be, being in Evansville, I know that's like on the tip of Indiana. So you, you're like barely in Indiana, close to Illinois. So, with Indiana not really having an MLB team, but then Illinois does, I know St. Louis isn't too far from Evansville as well. So, when you're watching Major League Baseball, is there a certain team that you like to follow? I really love to watch the Dodgers. People call me bandwagon all the time, but I've been a fan of them since I was six or seven. It's just odd, though, because nobody else in my family has been a Dodgers fan besides my mom's dad, who passed away. My mom just really compares me to him and says I do everything exactly like him. But I love watching the Dodgers. They're lineup one through nine, powerhouse. They all have power. It's just a really exciting team to watch. Yeah. So is there a catcher throughout the throughout the major leagues that you like to model your game after? Or you kind of just like uh, kind of have your own game? Um, typically, I don't really model my game after everybody, after over anybody. Um, I, I do love to watch Yadier Molina, though, because – He's just, I don't know, he's just something different behind the plate. I like to watch those before he retired. Those are my two favorite to watch. Yeah, you said, you, so you said Yachty, and who was the second guy you mentioned? Buster Posey before he. Oh, yeah. Posey was a great catcher. I liked watching him. But you got, I mean, you got Wilson Contreras up there in Chicago. He's another great guy. JT. I mean, right now, Major League Baseball is pretty filled with some, with some great catchers as well. But, um, well, I, let's, I just have a question, couple more questions for you, man, before we end off the podcast. So when we end off the podcast, I kind of like to move it away from baseball just a little bit and dig into some stuff off the field. So when you're not playing baseball, what would be some passions that you have beyond the, the baseball field? You said, what are passions I do beyond it? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a 
huge fisherman. I love doing all types of things, saltwater, water, bass fishing. It's just, it's definitely my second hobby. If I wasn't playing baseball, I'd be. So are there, are there a lot of places, places in Evansville for you to fish or do you kind of have to travel for, for that? We typically travel. Um, my grandparents, they have a house up in Minnesota, which helps a lot. All the lakes, travel different lakes. And I go to Florida usually here. We did that for my legend. We went, I think it was, I think it was four years in a row. And we, we either, sometimes we, I think we went deep sea fishing twice with the team. And then I went with my young brother, my dad, and my older brother. We went deep sea fishing on our own with a, a guide and we caught all types. All right, so when you're deep sea fishing, so obviously regular fishing, I mean, a lot of people know how to do that. But deep sea fishing is something a lot of people haven't really done before. So take us through that day a little bit of, like, what like what was the guy showing you? Like, how did you catch some of the – what things were – what were some things that you caught, and how, how were you catching them? Um, really, you could use anything because obviously in the ocean, you're – it's just unlucky if you drop your bait down and you catch nothing. But – uh, I remember one time I went with my dad and I caught a thing. It was like a hundred pound Amberjack. We like, we wake up at like, I don't know, five in the morning. And then we go to the tour guides because usually you start early and then you go all day. But yeah, I caught a hundred pound Amberjack first, first cast. And I asked my dad if this is how it's going to be, you know, the whole time. Cause I was like, if this is how it's going to be, I don't know if I'll be able to take it the whole day. <laughs> so were you able to take that the 100 pound hammerjack back home or did you have to throw it back into the ocean uh no we had to throw it back oh man i'm sure that i'm sure that would have been a cool thing to hang in your house would have been it would have been amazing but i don't yeah. know fit in many of the rooms it was it was a massive fish i'm sure i've i've got a buddy who caught like a he's caught like a marlin and that thing's like eight 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 eight, eight foot long it's 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 yeah it's those, crazy those things are massive but um, so when you're not traveling and not traveling to Minnesota, not traveling to big uh, deep sea fishing, what are some what are some of your favorite things to do in your hometown of Evansville? Um, I I love to I love to hoop a lot. I'm, I play a lot of basketball and I love riding my bike and I listen to music when I do everything like working out and basketball, playing baseball, like just doing workouts for baseball, uh, fishing. I'll, I'll probably listen to music too. But yeah, like everything I do, I'll probably listen to music and. I love to hoop. Okay. So what, what type of music you listen to? Is that country, rock, uh, rap, rock? What types of music you like listening to? I mean, honestly, it just depends on the day. Like, if I'm waking up and I'm like, you know, I'm going to listen to some today. The two things I listen to are definitely rap and country, which is. Okay. So who's the, who's the best country artist right now? Country artist? Uh, I'm probably going to have to go with Morgan Wallen. Okay, I I would say that would be my choice too. I was I almost actually went down to Evansville to go watch his concert there in fe- in February or whenever where whenever it was because I'm a, I'm a huge Morgan Wallen guy. But I was just I was just curious because I know some people they go back and forth on who the best country guy is. Yeah, but I got one last question for you before we end off the podcast. So obviously, name, image, and likeness—that's kind of a new thing that came up came about last year. And once you do graduate from high school you'll be able to capitalize that when you head to West Lafayette. So have you thought about that at all as maybe like a dream brand that you'd love to work with in the future? Um, I don't know if anybody's done this yet, but I'm, I'm a huge Lululemon guy. I wear a lot of Lululemon. Okay. Well, actually um, you're, I think you're, I think you're guy number three to say that here on the podcast. And <laughs> I've, I've always been someone who I haven't really tried it. I'm from a real small town. We don't have any of those Lululemon out, outlets, but I guess, 
I told the last guy, man, he was the second guy. Now you're the third guy. So I'm going to have to go check it out if ever if everyone's saying it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a super comfortable brand. I mean, I have a bunch of their shorts and I have a couple of their T-shirts and I have like a little like sweatshirt. It's like, like a nicer type you wear to like nicer dinners and stuff. But yeah, yeah super comfortable. I just love it. Awesome. All right, man. Well, that was the last question I had for you. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, best of luck here this fall. Best of luck this summer and when you head to Purdue. So with me being an Indiana student, I'm sure I'll be able to be at a Purdue IU game sometime and get you, maybe get you some podcast merch. It sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast, episode number two of three this weekend. Really want to thank Thomas for coming on the show today. Even though he's going to Purdue, I'm really excited to see where he goes with his career. About to do go do some big things as he heads to Purdue, heads to West Lafayette here in a couple of years. But we do have one last episode to round out. We do have one last episode tomorrow to round out the weekend. Recently committed to the University of Illinois, newest recruit in their class. We got Simon Wilkinson. Uh, he's actually heading to one of my favorite big town, uh, big Big Ten towns uh, in, in there in Urbana-Champaign. Definitely really cool experience for him coming up here in the next couple of years. Uh, so make sure to tune in. But for any more updates, if you kind of want to find out who's coming on next week, weeks after that, uh, any more updates on the podcast, go check out our social media and our website. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast. That's going to be Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Then we have web- our website is www.jkrpodcast.com. So check those out. Keep listening, and I'll catch you guys tomorrow.